Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hi, my name is Marlene Schwartz, and I am the Deputy Director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University, and I am delighted today to welcome two guests. We have Nikki Highsmith-Burnick, who is the President and CEO of the Horizon Foundation, which is located in Howard County, Maryland, and we also have Glenn Schneider, who is the Chief Program Officer for the Horizon Foundation. So thanks for coming to New Haven. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, what we would love to hear about today is the initiative you have down in Maryland to um, address healthy lifestyles and wellness. And I wanted to start off just by asking, how did your foundation come to the decision to take on obesity as an issue? So thank you, Marlene, for uh, inviting us here today. This is Nikki. Uh, we are lucky in Howard County that we are actually the healthiest county in Maryland. We've ranked number one on the Robert Wood Johnson University of Wisconsin Public Health Statistics. So it, that is a positive, and it's challenging at the same time. Even though we are the healthiest county in the state of Maryland, we are not immune to the 21st century ills. We know that a majority of deaths in our county are related to cancer, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and we know that the root cause of many of those diseases is obesity. So in Howard County, we have almost two-thirds of adults are overweight or obese, and we have one in four children in Howard County who are overweight or obese. So we just had to look at our county public health statistics to uh, have a wake-up call that we are the largest health philanthropy largest independent health philanthropy actually in Maryland, and that if we didn't look at this issue as a major public health crisis in our county, it would be shameful. You know, it's so interesting because people often think that obesity is really a problem among, you know, lower income communities or communities that, you know, just struggle more. And it's so striking that no one is really immune to it, that even in Howard County, where there are so many other positive things going on in such a highly educated population. So it's great that you all decided to to focus on that. So, Glenn, can you tell me a little bit about how you went about really choosing the specific focus for your campaign? Sure. We went through a, about a year-and-a-half-long process where we invited experts from around the country to talk about uh, obesity and, you know, given a profile of Howard County, what should we be doing about it? And we heard a lot of different responses. You know, we heard that certainly you need to look at nutrition, you need to look at physical activity. Uh, the most important thing, of course, to look at when it comes to obesity, though, uh, from what we heard, was nutrition. Um, we probed a little bit further and got past the normal things that the public has heard about, whether it be potato chips or french fries or pizza or anything else. And we got down to the fact that every one of our experts mentioned uh, that you can't solve the obesity crisis without looking at sugary drinks. And so we picked sugary drinks as a key thing to do because it was understandable. Uh, it certainly had the least amount of uh, behavioral complications attached to it. Uh, for example, you know, you only have to make one decision whether or not you drink that at that current time or not. Uh, with physical activity, there are plenty other things you have to decide on. Uh, and we thought that that had the best chance of success. Well, that, that certainly makes a lot of sense given the research that we know of in terms of how specific sugary drinks are as a risk factor. And also, as you're saying, that it is easier to change that one behavior than to give people messages about moderation or balance and things like that. So we're really excited that you're focusing on that. Um, one of the things uh, that I noticed in looking through your materials is it looked like you're particularly focused on moms and reaching them as a target group. Can you talk, Nikki, some about that decision? 
Sure. So we are using a classic public health model to look at how we can change both individual and community behaviors. And certainly when we're looking at individuals, we're thinking about the diffusion of innovation. How do we start innovation and then how do we diffuse it across our community? And we know that a lot of that innovation starts with early adopter moms, moms that are already thinking about this issue, moms that have chosen not to buy sugary drinks in their own household. How do we energize them and how do we engage them in a more public and community-based way. So we're working with them on our social media, but we're also working on them to become advocates in our community and to begin to talk about this in a different way on the soccer field, on the baseball field, you know, and in the school settings, and that they're seen as uh, trusted sources of information in the community. So mostly, not always, but, you know, moms do make a lot of decisions about what uh, they decide to purchase for their home. I'm a mom. I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, and, you know, they know they can't have sugary drinks in our house. And you want to be able to engage those moms across the community and help support uh, their effort within their own home, but their effort as community leaders and community activists as well. Yeah, I mean, I can really relate to that as a mom also, whose kids know that we don't buy sugary drinks. And I think it can sometimes be hard to be that mom that's out front with these messages, but I do think it changes things. You know, I do think that you you change the social norm, people start to have different expectations, and, you know, it can make a difference over time. So we are trying to, you know, make a new normal. And, um, you know, in, in my neighborhood, not only do my kids know they can't have sugary drinks in our household, but the neighborhood kids know when they come over, they <laughs> Yeah. ask Miss Vernick for milk or water, please. <laughs> right. And and the thing is, is kids often, they learn it and they're like, okay, I'm that's okay the way that. it is. You know, that's what's often so interesting about these changes is that the adults get so worked up about it, but the kids are actually fine. You know, they're pretty flexible. Um, Glenn, one of the things I know you all put together this year is something you call the Better Beverage Finder. Can you explain a little bit about why you decided to do that and what it is? Sure. Well, everyone can find the Better Beverage Finder at betterbevfinder.org. Uh, and this was in response to what we heard in, in much of our formative research. Uh, in talking to parents, uh, we had a lot of different moms say that they did not think that water, milk, and juice should be the only alternatives that they or their families have. And so in thinking about this, we, we looked at all the beverage options that the uh, soda companies and others make, and we realized that there are a lot of healthier beverage options out there that people just don't know about. They, they never have seen them in the advertising. They never knew that they existed. So we wanted to give people an opportunity to find those beverages, to know that there are plenty of options available out there for them. And you can go to the Better Beverage Finder and click on any type of drink that you might want, you can che check whether or not you want particular kinds of sweeteners in it or not. You can also check whether it should be best for kids or be caffeine-free or uh, many other characteristics of a drink. And once you do that, it will tell you information about the drinks that fit those uh, characteristics you selected, as well as tell you where to buy it in our county. Uh, we think that this presents a great opportunity for moms particularly to try out different things um, with their families and come up with better beverages to buy and have at home. I think it's such an innovative idea, and it's so interesting because a lot of the research we've done on marketing has found that the companies focus much more on marketing the unhealthy products, even when they make right. healthier products, which has always been really puzzling. So it almost then falls on the responsibility of the community and the parents to do that research, and you're making it so much easier for them to find what are those products and where can you get them. I mean, I think that that's, that's a really neat strategy. It'll be great to see how that works out. That's right. We, we really know that um, 
you know, if you don't have sugary drinks in your house, it is much more likely that your kids aren't drinking them. Uh, and given that that's an important behavior change for all of us to look at, we want to make it easier for parents to do that, particularly moms. Yeah, I think that's really neat. Um, I was wondering, Nikki, if you could talk some about just how broad your initiative is. It sounds like, you know, you are focused on sugary drinks, but in terms of who in the community you're working with, there's really quite a long list of the different groups. Sure. So sometimes we get criticized for being a single focus campaign or a single issue politician of just looking at sugary drinks. And we really believe a focus on sugary drinks has a powerful unified message that we can deliver in our community that we're not bombarding our community with different messages around childhood obesity. So I think it's strategic um, in our in our approach. But within that, we are focused on wherever kids live, learn, or play. So in terms of where ki- children live, you just heard from Glenn about our education campaign designed, targeted uh, to moms uh, and to parents about just not purchasing sugary drinks for the home. We're working very closely with the pediatric community in Howard County uh, doing uh, trainings for pediatricians so that they're delivering anticipatory guidance related to childhood obesity, again, reinforcing the message about sugary drinks and also reinforcing messages about physical activity and screen time along with that. Uh, where, where children learn. We are very active in supporting uh, healthy child care centers in Howard County. This year was the first year that we certified 58 healthy child care centers in our county. And they, again, they are uh, changing nutritional standards within the child care setting. Uh, we're looking, working very closely with the school system on the school wellness policy. I think that we have some interesting stories there to share. And after school programs that we know when kids get after school, after school, kids, um, one, need some physical activity, and but most importantly, they need nutritious, healthy beverage options after school. So we're working very closely with the YMCA, working with our local homeowners association, the Columbia Association, which is very active, and working with our parks and recs. Uh, where, where kids play. Uh, we have a very extensive parks and recreation facility in Howard County. Uh, our county executive recently announced an executive order stating that we will only serve healthy beverage options on our county properties. That's not only our county government facilities, but it's our parks, it's our recreational facilities, it's our school, our libraries. And so we now have healthy beverage options wherever kids are playing. We're also working very closely with a faith-based community in our county, uh, helping uh, to educate them about the messages around sugary drinks and having them become healthy ambassadors in our county uh, and and, uh, talking within their churches and synagogues and uh, other faith-based communities. So really trying to have a comprehensive campaign wherever kids live, learn, or or play. We also know that kids are very good at um, finding hypocrisy in the world, right? So you can't just change the places where children are learning, but you also have to change the community so that when the kids go to the hospital, if that unfortunate situation arises, that sugary beverages are not in, uh, in our biggest public health facility, that they see it less when they go to restaurants and the school or the uh, restaurant meal includes milk instead of uh, a soda. So we're, we're working at all points within our community to try to change our community norms to make it easier for parents to be a parent. 
It's really amazing. I mean, they're really, it sounds like you have reached every single corner of the county in terms of all these different organizations. And I really like that point about kids being so sensitive to hypocrisy. And I think that it'll be neat to see that message come through as the kids start to really learn this and then look around and see what's available or what's not available where they are. Well, one of the things I wanted to really commend you on was the innovative work of your county executive, Ken Ullman, because what he did back in December when he made the statement that the government buildings would only sell healthier beverages was was really amazing and really made me feel very proud to be from Howard County, Maryland. Um, So, Glenn, uh, school wellness policy is one of my favorite topics. Uh, Tell us what it's been like trying to work on the school wellness policy in Howard County. Well, first of all, we're happy to claim you as one of our uh, our natives. So uh, uh, very good that you were working with us. Um, I think on our school wellness uh, policy, we're, we're facing the same sort of challenges that any school system might face, uh, which is every five years, you know, our school system takes a look at our wellness policy to decide what updates are needed uh, to make sure that we're giving our children the best environment in which to grow. And I think over the course of the past five months, a committee of 32 or so community folks, including school system curricular people, as well as school system administrators and members of the public that represent major stakeholders, got together to really review the wellness policy and to figure out if we can't do more to make this a world-class wellness policy that we can be proud of to match our world-class kind of institution that's doing so much on the academic side. Uh, The committee put together an amazing, I think, um, I guess I sort of sounds like bragging, but since I was on the committee, but a very, very good policy that we submitted to the superintendent. And sadly, uh, the superintendent actually put out a policy that doesn't meet the standards that we would hope for. So we are working with the school board and with the administration. I still think there's time to make sure that we can get the kind of school wellness policy that we can be proud of, but know that it, it comes with challenges attached to that, too. Um, particularly the challenges that I would like to mention that I think are probably true in any school wellness uh, discussion are issues related to cost, issues related to curricular changes where you might have to add time or um, accommodate different situations, and then the third is just hassle and administrative changes that need to occur. I think all three of these are factors in why our system isn't necessarily fully embracing uh, the wellness policy that the committee put forth. But I think it's important to note that we are starting off, even though we have one of the best uh, nationwide institutions for uh, public school system learning, that we, um, you know, are not doing well now um, with the policy that the superintendent gave us. What's so interesting is, you know, you look historically and the school food environment has changed so much. And with every one of those changes, those challenges that you talk about took place. So people changed the schedule, people changed, you know, what they were allowing into the school and and things like that. So it does feel like once it's your current reality, it feels very difficult to change. But I think with a little historical perspective, people can realize that, you know, Howard County was doing a great job back in the 80s when there were no vending machines in the schools. And so to realize that this isn't actually so much doing something brand new as really getting your school system system away from that processed food, you know, sort of inexpensive, highly palatable foods that are high in sugar, salt, and fat that are making it so hard for people to be healthy. It's almost like the schools have fallen under the same trend that our whole society has, and now it's really trying to pull the schools out in front of that. That's right. We want to go from bottom third in the country when it comes to our wellness uh, policy to top third. 
and we have full faith in our school board and full faith in our superintendent that we can get there. I, I think we can actually work together to make that happen. Um, but it will come with community debate, and we have a hearing coming up where uh, we fully intend to have great discussion about how far the community should go to make this a much better wellness policy. Well, I just have to say that the work you all are doing is really impressive, really amazing. You are definitely national leaders. Um, you know, we meet a lot of people from around the country who are doing lots of great community-based work, but there isn't anyone else I know of who's doing as clear a job in so many places in such a strategic way. So it's very exciting for us to be able to work with you on this project, and thank you so much for visiting us. Thanks for the invitation. Our partnership with you is really important. Thank you. Thank you very much.